My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot what. our date today. It is the 8th, the 8th of November. It's incredible. I can't believe how fast this month is going. At the end of the 8th of November, actually, it's a good day. If you have now seen, we are back on Podbean, which is really good. And um, I'll tell you, I'm I'm pleased. (laughs) It's um, it's been quite a fight, and I talked a little bit on the previous show, and it ultimately it just came down to buying new computers, which I'm re- literally been running around and 
getting stuff set up and learning Windows, which is fine. It doesn't. I used to be an Apple guy. I guess I'm going to become a Windows guy. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, there's an interesting thing about that, though. Apple is obvious. Obviously, they do the biting of the apple, right? That is the whole metaphor of the fallen from the garden. And it's it's just very interesting that um, in all of this, because I've been talking about going back to the garden, and I just note this because in talking about going back to the garden, there is a, a sudden thing that happens that the apples won't work on Podbean. I'm just, I'm just like, is God sending a message? Probably. It's interesting to just see all this stuff come together. So anyway, let's begin with uh, just a recognition for our sponsors. And uh, we have a real issue right now with food, an issue around the world around food. And that is literally the biggest issue they have, or the biggest weapon they have against us among, very, and there's not that many, and they'll try to cripple people with food. So be prepared. And that's why we have My Patriot Supply. So head on over to My Patriot Supply, which is actually going to preparewithbards.com. That's our website. And with that, you're going to be able to get what you need in a three-month emergency food kit. You can tell I'm scattered tonight. I literally am. It's just I've had so many things going on today, trying to learn Windows and do these things. I can just set up a new large, big screen, so bear with me a second. Anyway, head on over to uh, preparewithbards.com and... Take a look at their three-month emergency food kits. You're not going to be disappointed. They're going to be exactly what you need for a time of crisis, and we've got many, many of those on the horizon, it looks like. So 2,000 calories a day, great meals, well-planned, designed to keep your head in the focus in the game and keep hand, handling you under stress. So get those. They'll have 25-year shelf life. You can find them at preparewithbars.com, and you will be very pleased you have them. It's a great insurance policy. All right, I'm just going to start right now and just and just really a praise um, and just do a little bit of prayer and praise here because this has been a tough last three weeks, honestly. And it's been about three weeks since we've been able to get back on Podbean. I figured we would, and I just figured it was going to take just enough resources or enough things to go through until we finally found the problem. And so to, as I worked yesterday with an engineer at Road. Uh, which is they make the roadcaster mixing board. It became evident that the problem was rooted in Apple's operating system. And so that's when it kind of narrowed it down. And as I mentioned in the previous hour, Michelle Resistance Chicks two weeks ago had told me, Scott, just buy a computer and a new computer. And I really drug my feet. And it, and it just finally today I did. And I, and we, I bought one for this studio and it worked. And I went just before the show and bought it the second one. So I have it at the other studio. So this is just something that's critical to the way we operate. And it's part of the community online, which for those of you that aren't on the online community, I'm really going to encourage you to join in. We have an amazing community here in Podbean. And it's, uh, and it's become a home. And it's one of the only places on the web that actually has live chat that works with audio only. I, we've, you've seen we've, we can move over to Rumble. And we'll, we'll do some shows at Rumble. What I'm probably going to do is start doing one show a week over on Rumble. I think that's good, and it gives us a little different break. I'll probably choose a Saturday 
and um, that way it's a day that aren't the normal Podbean shows aren't going. And I'll, if people want it, I'll do video. I don't have a problem. But that way we're kind of getting a little expansion, and we're prepared if something like this happens again. I'm a big preference to audio, just because it's easier in so many ways for portability. And just to give you a little background on that too. I've done a ton of work on this, pushing audio and video across platforms for a long time. And uh, what ends up you discover pretty quickly is video, obviously, when you're doing portability, meaning people are putting it on their phone, it consumes massive amounts of space. And so you burn up your memory pretty fast. The other thing is when you're transmitting over lines that some even in we have, whether it's in climate weather, whether you have a degraded system, Audio will always transfer. Video will not. So that's kind of where I gauged this originally. I can't tell you how many people told me audio will not work. And I'm like, okay, well, God says audio will work, so audio will work. <laughs> that's all I can say. It's pretty good. It's just the easiest answer to all things. God says yes, I say yes. So it's pretty good. All right. We are... Um, just kind of sitting in this place right now, watching a country unravel itself. And most of what we're watching is people that have been living in a world of essentially debauchery and stepping away from, from the Bible. I want to get into something a little heavier to, or a little deeper tonight because I don't think it's understood. I, I, I realized today that when something I talk about is probably not well understood, um, and this is, it's the idea of, a, of the relationship in the spirit. So I was praying on this this morning because there's, um, when I talk about this in my walk, okay, the relationship in the spirit means something to me. I've made a choice to be single, but I also have a, of an understanding in this relationship piece that's very different than some. And I would say for a lot of people, because it's rooted in a different principle of walk. Now, this is why I say all this. I'm going to set this up because I want to tell you a little bit about a conversation I had today with Pastor Paul Cantrell. You all know that I've studied the sword. It is a rare thing for me to find somebody else that can share that understanding. Truly rare. And it was such an impassioned discussion today that we had about the sword. The sword, when you are learning the sword, there's, a, there's an objective that you're going about. And this comes, and this is, he and I share this exact, what I'm going to tell you right here, Pastor Paul Cantrell and I, who that would be the Cantrell family of like 50 kids, not really 10, with one or two more on the way. The Cantrell family, obviously they're at Bards Fest, they're wonderful folks. They're actually coming to visit next week, and I'm super excited about it. They're going to come for three days up to the ranch. But this is the discussion that we had because where it came from is when we were at the event in Portland, there was a drum circle that was set up with three of the boys and Elijah, the oldest, sat down and had a, had a sword on his lap. And that's where this kind of discussion, this discussion began as to where Paul had had a calling. Now, this is where we start to or start the story. After Bards Fest in 2021, God put on my heart and said, go buy a sword. 
And I was like, like what type of sword? And he's and it was very clear because I had studied this the art of Iaido, which I love that art by the way. It's beautiful. It's a it's an unbelievable beautiful sword style, old. And all, all Iaido always begins on your knees, which to me is metaphorically exactly where we begin our fight in this world with Jesus. And so God said, go buy a sword. And I was like, like a real one? Because I have a practice one. He said, a real one. So it led me on a long search, which was led me to a guy in Florida. And he said, no, I can't help you with what you need. I wanted something very specific. He said, you need to take my name and give my name and email this man. And this was a sword collector in Japan. And so I began to correspond with him. And he would give me a list of, we went through a listing saying he was a sword he was a sword refurbisher and he, and, and broker for swords. And so we went through and I found the sword I wanted, which was crafted in the style of the Edo period. And it was done by, it was considered to be the sword masters of this one particular sword maker. He was his masterpiece. So I said, okay, that's what I want. That's what God wants. It wasn't what I want. We prayed on it. God said, that's the sword. I said, good, let's do this. And then we added all the pieces. We had the handle wrapped and then you have what's called the furniture put on it and all these various pieces that go underneath the wrap of the handle and the, and the hilt and all these beautiful pieces, all the pieces selected from the Edo period. So they're about 500 years old. It's very, it's an amazing piece of work. And it took almost a year to get that from Japan because they, the craftsmen had to make the, 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 the scabbard or the sheath and then they, they had to go through, I'm not using proper terminology. I'm just telling you this in normal words. And then, um, they had to fit the where the hilt piece is. They had to fit that and custom do that. All this stuff was done. It took about a year, and then the sword was shipped to me. It was actually shipped to me when I was on the road trip delivering Bibles around the country. Well, in discussing this with Paul, it was interesting tonight because he said, you have a sword, and I said, yes. He says, that's very interesting. He said, God gave me the exact word. He said, I needed to get a sword. So I said, okay, um, let's, let's see what this looks like. So he and I start t talking about this and uh, kind of coming to understanding of his passage. And it was the same thing. God told him to go get a sword. So he did, and he studied, he studied the arts of the samurai, and he studied um, – the sword, and it comes to a very common ground where we both agree on something very, very central to this: is that our faith is very much like the art of the sword, and it leads to a bigger discussion, which is really an understanding that in the process of the sword, as you study the sword, the in, the intent is that the sword becomes such a part of you. It becomes an extension of your body, and you become so much one with it that ultimately you cease to be focused on yourself and you become part of a greater connection of all things. And essentially the, the principle of it is to kill yourself, it, metaphorically speaking. You're supposed to kill the flesh and release yourself into the world to become united with all things in the presence of uh, and in the moment and the time in which we walk. So a lot of similarities in the study of this to the way we, walk, we should be walking in Christ. And it is trying to transcend the reliance on the, the fleshly body and move yourself into a, a place of living truly in unison with all things in the spirit. And I, this is an important subtext because I talk about this and I talk about this in terms of relationships. 
and I've been talking about it lately, and, I, and I'm getting some interesting pushback on this, basically trying to tell me that, like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about, or I don't, you know, a variety of things like this. And I always love when my past is referenced. It's like, you know, somehow my past, because it's, it's a past that has had a lot of failure in relationships, is talked about, that becomes an anchor rather than a release. I will tell you something. You learn more from failure than you do success. That's a straight statement, and it's a true statement. And so as I'm working through this process and I am working, in, and I work in the sword and so forth, and then Paul and I are talking about the, his work in the sword, you start to discover a, this other level of walking in the world. And it is a world where you are releasing yourself. And it, this all really hit me this morning when I was in prayer because I was praying on a few of these things that we had been talking about last night on the show, which, by the way, is a fantastic show. If you didn't see Fisher's last night, it's up. It's, it was four hours long with Leah and Michelle. Fantastic show. We covered so much ground. And anyway, and this concept of walking in a relationship that way has stumped some people. So I want to kind of put this in context. And it's really, you can use, Paul is would say the samurai and I would say the Zen swordsman, same principle. There is a very central peace and contentment when we step away from the burdens of the flesh. And we don't just step the way. You have to, you have to release yourself from those things that are trying to anchor you in this world. And as you step away from that and you step more deeply into the body of Christ, you are becoming united, united with him and things around you literally change in the way we relate to them because there's a certain measure of peace that we find when we interact. But the beautiful thing about the art of the sword or, and, the, is, and I'll walk you through kind of a precision of how it works and then we'll talk about some of the philosophies behind it, but... When you start in Iaido, you're starting on your knees. In Kendo arts, you can still actually start upwards, but in Iaido, you start on your knees. And the whole principle of this art is that you will, it was designed around the concepts of literally having tea with somebody. And then, like two swordsmen, and then somebody is at, the, at the, your tea, you're kneeling on your, you're kneeling before the table, having tea, and then somebody draws their sword, and you have to draw. And, and faster than them to kill. That's a key thing about the sword, is the sword isn't drawn. In practice, you draw the sword to learn to draw, but in real, when you draw the sword, you're drawing the sword, and it's sharp, and it's designed to take life. And this is a huge component here. We don't play in that world much. And this gets into people asking many times, because I hear a lot about, we hear the talk about God as, a loving and wonderful God he is. But there is another dimension of God, which is he is a warring God. He is a God of war, Lord of hosts, and he's also a wrathful God when he unleashes. There are many faces of God, and there aren't just one face of God. And I think we tend to want to blanket everything around God to be like Jesus is all loving. To use Paul's term again, Jesus was a samurai. He wasn't a hippie. Beautifully said tonight. It was anointed words. Jesus was a samurai. And if you understand the heart of a samurai, it gives you a deep look at who Jesus was. Humble, in what we would say meek, 
incredibly skilled at everything he did, but humble enough you'd never know. And humbled enough that even to the point of drawing a sword, quote-unquote, he wouldn't. He would avoid that moment knowing that what would result would be complete destruction. And yet, the mastery of the art of the sword enabled to take on people like standing, sitting before or kneeling before a group of people with rocks accusing an adulteress and being able to use the skills of swordsmanship using his words as swords, as blades to be able to disarm those with rocks and set that woman free. He's a master swordsman and master swordsman in so many levels because the sword is not just about the sword of steel. And the sword of the spirit is mighty, but the principles are the same. And as we start to put ourselves into that place of the sword and we start to unite with the sword, our movements become one. It's like a dance with with the Holy Spirit. And you become united in the moment in such a perfected way. This is the idea. This is the ultimate goal of mastery is that you move to the point of mastery that's so great that you literally forget everything and unite with everything at the same time. And you become released from the burdens of the flesh. And it's through the blade. And so when you're studying martial arts and you're studying katas and these movements, your focus, and this is what I was being reminded of this morning, is honest, I, honestly, I haven't been studying martial arts at all this last year. It's just been such a busy year, and that's changing very quickly. And I, I'd studied Taekwondo for years. I had, a, I had my black belt. I trained. I had, a, I had a, a program I was teaching at. I had my own school club not school, for a while. All of these things I did, and I did them, when I was training martial arts, I was training twice a day, seven days a week. And I did that for like 10 years. And in, lately, that hasn't. it's been like zero times a day, 365 days, right? So it's a big difference. It's, it has to change. But when you're focused on the blade, and this blade, and everything, you start with a pra- uh, practice blade. And it, that blade, no matter how you draw it or put it back, you're never going to cut yourself. And a good practice blade is weighted the same. It feels the same, but you don't have an edge. But when you step up into a real blade, everything changes. Because the mistakes that you make now actually result in a cut or a severing of something. Those blades are razor sharp. Your method and your technique has to be a precise there's not a tolerance for error unless you want to get cut. If you draw that sword incorrectly, you might actually kill somebody if they're near you, especially if you're working with other people. There's consequences. And see, if we think of our faith that way, we would live differently. But we don't think that way. We think in terms of everything is forgiven. But what if you relend yourself? This is why I... I so like this. We, we get into this squishy thing of like always being forgiven. Our enemy is vicious. But if we're using the precision of the sword and we're using that as the metaphor by which we live, then we are truly in a place where we are being 
released. And we are being set free. This is a process we were working through, and the sword gets us there. When you're working with the sword, there's, it's like everything else in faith. It takes time. It takes discipline. You have to, you're going you're gonna to do a thousand strikes before you get one that's any good. You're going to do a thousand draws before you get one that's even a little bit good. And yet everything about the process of the swordsmanship is not short term. It's a lifelong pursuit. Even the master will tell you there's more to go. And the ultimate fight for a master to a master if you have two masters in swordsmanship that come down and literally sit before each other, this is a true story, and they are prepared to draw and strike, true masters will sit there and in that fight will occur in the spirit. It will never even occur in the flesh because they will see each other's heart. They will see who they are. And then you, what you would witness is two people sitting before each other, ready to draw, staring at each other, focusing on each other, and then suddenly you would see two people, two masters bow and get up and respectfully walk off. The duel was done. It was done in the spirit because it was all about the heart and the intent because what's the ultimate goal of the sword? It's us. It's not the opponent. It's us. It's me. It's you when you're doing the sword. All of this relates to our faith in profound ways. And when we start to step into these places of living like this, everything, everything that we look at in the world changes. It isn't to say your heart isn't going to get entangled once in a while into the flesh. It, it, that happens. But when you are walking in that, and that's why this last few weeks for me have been so amazing and equally so intense to arrive at that moment this morning where Holy Spirit literally says, go back and look at what you were doing. And I went to my knees and remembered the sword and I'm like, oh, it's time. It's time once again to start that discipline because that discipline is all consuming. When you get in and you're focused on the sword, that is you are working on everything you do is to master every technique and then to let it go to where it becomes part of you and everything around you. And it's the release and it's a transcendence above the moment to where you're literally at one with all things. You're at peace. And let me assure you, I've walked in that space. I can't hold that space, but I've had those moments. And when you touch it, there's nothing in the flesh that'll ever come close, nothing. And it grabs your heart like it did this morning because I remembered it and the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And I'm like, again, and I'm like, I've got to get back to it because it is so fantastically powerful with what it does. And it, it teaches us to walk differently in the world. The sword when drawn will draw to kill. The sword when sheathed is at peace. There is never a safety on the sword. But the sword is always ready to strike. And a premature draw is like sending out words, for example, without concern for how they strike or hit somebody. Everything about the sword reminds you that if you do something carelessly, there is a consequence to things. 
that may not be recoverable. So this leads us to kind of some other points here. And it leads us to the idea of what's at the core of the sword. And ultimately, when you strike something, something bleeds. And this is such a parallel to the cross. And this was Paul's words tonight. It was really fantastic. Everything changes when you get blood on your hands. Let that sit in a minute. We have a, a whole army of pastors that have never hunted, who have never gotten blood on their hands, who have never killed anything. They have never gotten in a fight. They've never, and they've grown up in this entire area of a perception of what war, what life is. The heart of the warrior understands how everything changes when you get blood on your hands, everything. That can be both metaphorical or physical. And it changes the way you value life in a most profound way. Life is precious. And as we've seen with the cross, Christ was sacrificed and his blood was on many people's hands. It changes everything. And it is something that it's one of the ways in which I truly believe is how you fix the ministry is making, is getting ministers out to literally have to kill an animal and butcher an animal. Because the process of sacrifice of what's given by God for us to feed on changes everything. The blood changes everything. That's both spiritual and reality. Our lives have become very soft, non-consequential. We vote for things like in Ohio that literally destroy lives and children, put children exposed to the place of literally being a subject now to predators. The National Association of Men Who Love Boys, NAMBA, now has a right to open up an office in Ohio if they so choose, which is sickening beyond sickening. And we've people have voted that in without any sense of consequence to themselves. It was a careless draw of the sword that has left innocence and risk and damage potentially. And when we live a life without consequence, we end up with, with randomness and things that are so bad. And yet, there's little recovery from it. Something like this in Ohio, you don't recover from quickly because it's a constitutional amendment now. Abortion is guaranteed. Child pedophilia is guaranteed. And it comes from a, a, a voting block that is wandering out here without consequence and without worry, a decadent sort of life that the realities of war are distant from their mind and distant from their, from their own lives. The walk of a swordsman of the old, of a, of a warrior who carries a sword, he would carry a sword everywhere 
in public as a samurai or a Zen warrior. Zen is more of a practice. Zen is war, uh, samurais were warring class. And as the samurai, they would carry, that was their duty to carry that sword when they were out and about. You could be challenged at any time. And the consequences were also always very real. There was, if you misdrew, if you weren't equipped well, you could die or you could lose a limb, you could lose something. Life had a different flavor to it. But again, it was also equally understood that when that sword was drawn, it wasn't going to go back without blood. The blood changes everything. So in this conversation that Paul and I were having and, and then started to apply that to relationships and how we walk in the world. And I realized in this moment that some of the things I've been talking about probably weren't easy for some to understand. I walk a life where I, other than the relationships I have on the phone or I talk to or people, I live by choice as a single in this world. I'm very comfortable with this. I walk a path like that. If God changes things on me, that's God's will, but not mine at this point. But that'll be God's will. But I walk a, an individual path. Most people have not had that experience of living alone, of being alone, truly alone, where you have to truly face the God himself. You're not, not the distractions of children, not a wife or a husband, not family around you all the time, truly having places where you sit alone and you're quiet and you're still and you, your interaction is truly with him. And we get to those places, we start to face ourselves in the most difficult and amazing ways because it's there that we have to find the root of our own and we have to face God with the greatest vulnerability and transparency. And as we do that, we gain the greatest from him. We begin to separate ourselves from the burdens and the obligations, the anchors, the pains of the flesh, and we step into him in the mightiness of the spirit. And we start to feel that the power in which the Holy Spirit works with us. There's such an, a, a degrading aspect to the way we see Jesus and the way that we perceive God. A softness, yes, Oh, but there's always this uber meekness and people will say that he's great, but they will express him in such soft and delicateness. I'm not saying he doesn't have that, but I'm going to tell you, God is greater in might and power than most of us could dare look at. And the amount of incredible power that God has in this world, in all things, the mastery is like being in the presence of a sword master who needs, needs to say nothing. You simply know how good he is and how profound he is by his humility, his grace, and his meekness. He doesn't have to give you a list of titles to tell you who he is. He doesn't have to proclaim himself to say, I'm great at something or another. I am anointed at something or another. He doesn't have to proclaim that. No master ever does. In fact, no master ever takes a title unless someone gives it to him. And then only then is it used in a very special way. But the fact is that the humbleness of the warrior is the greatest strength. And Christ is a mighty warrior. 
The enemy came at Christ, at Jesus, and arrested him in the garden. Peter drew the sword as an amazing sword master, Peter, and sliced off the ear to stay the attack and saved a man's life by cutting off the ear. And Jesus went up a notch. Do you want to see Jesus as the sword master, master? <laughs> what does Jesus do? He heals the ear and restores the faith. It's brilliant. It is the most beautiful walk of watch, watching the someone who is high-level performance mastery of the sword of steel meet master of the sword of the spirit. That's that moment in the garden. It's an incredible scene. And it plays out so wonderfully that as one, as a life is saved by cutting the ear, Jesus saves a soul by healing it. And they take him. And now the blindness of the ego of the enemy, an enemy that now is ravaging, drooling, seething over the fact that they now have Jesus in their hands. And I'm kind of just overcapping all of this with these, these framings because they then send him into the streets and the people become ravenous dogs. And they, they all participate in this free-for-all. And the most powerful swordsman ever to live never has to draw his sword because he is one with the blade. And he walks and he carries himself to the very end to where they nail him to the cross gloating at their victory, the people now filled with this rage and whatever else has overcome them, the fact that they were able to literally throw stones and do whatever else, spit on Jesus, all these weak people. And the greatness of Jesus is that he set the greatest trap of all time, knowing very well that there would be blood spilled like in any, any fight but it was through the blood that the covenant was broken and we were set free, even those that threw stones and spit on him. This is amazing. And it was a trap that the enemy went for only to discover that what they went after was the physical and they could never touch the spiritual. So when I'm talking about relationships at a higher level, we're talking about what I seek. I'm just going to tell you. When I go to God and I say, okay, God, if you're going to give me a partner in my life, that would be a woman, by the way, just so we're clear, so people don't think that there's like some craziness going on in this woke world. But if God's to provide me with a wife, I need somebody who can walk at that level of the spirit. Only God can provide that. When you walk at that level of the spirit, I will assure you that the pleasures of the flesh become much less. And this is where ultimately when you look scripturally at things and Romans 8 talking about the flesh and, and the spirit, when people have not experienced the ability to step beyond into a place of walking in the spirit, to touch that place, which I have done, I could tell you a number of occasions, one in particular was in the middle of a firefight in Afghanistan. There is a, a moment where you unite and connect with all things, all people, all places. You are literally one with all things. There is nothing in the world, no drug, no relationship, no sex, no nothing that can match that moment. It is hyperbolic. 
and it is truly of God. And that's where I believe truly Paul is speaking to. And I think that's where Jesus is, has drawn us to. And so when we start to look at that in terms of our relationships with one another, whether it's friends or, or married couples, family, if we start to seek that higher level of presence and existence and walk, our world changes in a way it's unf- unbelievable. It's almost unfathomable. There's a clinging on to people wanting the physical. And there's a desperate hanging on to this. And it's the principle of like, well, God made us physical. We're supposed to express ourselves physically. We are put in physical bodies, but there is a process by which as we move through that, we are still in our physical body, but living far beyond its realm and its reach. That world, isn't a, it's not escaping. It's, it's transcending the flesh. It's literally, in another way of looking at it, you're killing the flesh to set the spirit free. So where I seek and where I believe we all can seek, if you choose, it's not your walk. I'm not telling you what to do. But there's a higher level of relationship that we can have with each of us, friends, family, husband, wife, where literally, and that begins by us putting our emphasis on Jesus and not our emphasis on the flesh. I will guarantee you, if you take American marriages, I'll speak American marriages only. And if you told American marriages... Well, let's take healthy marriages for that matter. And you said, no sex, just live with one another. I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be a lot of problems. And I'm not advocating for that level of abstinence. But I'm trying to make a point here. When you take something away, you learn in the absence of what's truly in your heart. And when you find that it's in your heart, that aches, hurts, yearns for something, it's there that you begin your true sense of healing and repair to set set yourself free. That's another form of deliverance. For the process of the sword, that's what it does. You go through because the expression of the blade as you draw is the expression of your heart. Sword master can look at a student and tell by a single strike everything that's going on in his body. He can tell by the way he draws, holds. In fact, take it even another level. In a Zen monastery, when students come in to meet the master, there's a bell that sits outside of the, of the master's room, and they'll ring the bell. By the way in which they ring the bell, the master can tell exactly the state of mind that they're in. Simple example, somebody rings the bell very lightly. They're probably timid, afraid, hesitant or trying to impress. Someone rings the bell hard, they're bold, they're aggressive. Maybe they've got some frustrations going on. Maybe they're angry. You can The reflection of how we walk in the world is a statement of who we are within our hearts. And in the sword and the blade, everything that you see there will reflect ultimately the state of mind of where somebody is and depth into the heart. So wouldn't that be the same for our presence and walk with Jesus? Because our words are... And then the words in which we put into our heart through Scripture become the reflection of the sword of spirit, which is truly an extension of the hand of Jesus himself. And if we will walk with that understanding that we are trying to unite with him, the things that we rise up to, the things that we achieve, the 
potential of what we're able to accomplish is greater than anything we can imagine. And it sets us free at another level of operation. It's, it's literally leveling up and beyond anything you've ever seen or imagined. So when we're going through these days and we're looking at the root of so many things, the root of families, the root of problems, we have to get down hard into the roots. We have to look deep at what's corrupted. We have to take an ax to those things that have caused infection throughout the, throughout the body. We have to heal the wounds. And we have to be able to walk in peace in our heart, in a balance with all things. So that when you draw your sword, the sword doesn't reflect the anger in your heart or the pain in your heart or the absence in your heart. The sword reflects the perfection in Jesus in which you are. So yes, Jesus was a samurai and a great one at that. Let's pray. Father, we're just very blessed tonight to be here, humbled and reflective would be a word tonight, Father. As we look deep within our hearts, as we seek to walk more deeply with you, Jesus, there is a releasing that we have to go through of the burdens in which we carry of this world. Those burdens often being things that are little more than clutter, but they are things that hold us back, things that prevent us from stepping across the thresholds that we have opportunities to step. It's our fears. It's our anger. It's our anxieties. It's our depression. All the things that are not of this world, all the things that are of this world but not of our world, so, Father, as we reflect deeply in our hearts tonight, we're just asking that for all those that need to, just to simply lay it before the throne. Confess that which is burdening you and set yourself free. And do so in a profound way tonight that you can breathe in and ask Jesus to walk with you and to begin to respect that as we walk and we shed those burdens we walk now more purely within him in the precision of him in the understanding that as we step into Jesus, this isn't a walk of waffling and constantly trying to seek forgiveness, but it is a walk which can seek the perfection in his body. And as we do that, greater in he we become. So Father, we just ask for that blessing and anointing to fall upon all's hearts tonight. To step in a way that reflects the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Bless us and guide us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, seek the walk in the purification of the body of Christ. It's pretty amazing. Patriots, it's good to be back here on Podbean. It's nice. We'll keep it going now. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. 
Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for 6 a, at 6 a.m. Pacific for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something.